Welcome to AdLib, the York Theatre Royal podcast where we interview industry professionals and get an insight into the theatre world. I'm Jesse, And I'm Henry. And in this episode we interview Nathan Bryan and Maddie Much from the producing company Celador. We discuss the role of the producer, the timeline of projects and some of the challenges that new productions face. Hope you enjoy! by Maddie and Nathan, who are both producers at Celador, so welcome to the podcast. Hi. Hi. Uh, first of all, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, so how you got this job, really? Yeah, uh, so I've been working for Celador for three years now-ish. Uh, I started as a production coordinator for them, uh, then ended up kind of being promoted to general manager, did that for a while, and now I'm a producer. Before that, I was a freelance creative director choreographer stage manager did a bit of everything uh, and yeah I was trained to the dancer when I was younger mm. she's done literally everything <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's yeah. an incredible producer um, I joined Celador in November of this of last year um, prior to that I was associate producer at the Mercury Theatre in Colchester uh, so working in subsidised regional rep venue and then after that went and worked for David Pugh and David Rogers in the West End um, before that, I was an actor for 10 years, uh, wow. but not a very good one. <laughs> <laughs> Realised my strengths would lie elsewhere. Um, so, yeah, that's how that was my brief journey to Salador. Yeah. Cool. So, how long has Salador been around then, it's in its current form? In its current, well, so it's, oh, we're celebrating our 10th anniversary this year, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that has taken all different shapes and forms. Mm-hmm. Uh, started as uh, students in Lipper, David and Philip, who still run the, co- uh, the company. Um, and then that kind of progressed to Edinburgh Fringe, kind of small to mid-scale touring that has kind of grown and grown and grown and grown until we've got to this point where we're, you know, quite a big commercial company now. Uh, but yeah, so 10 years. Cool. Can you tell us a little bit about what a producer actually does day to day? The $24,000. It's a question, I don't know about you, Maddie, but certainly I get asked quite a lot, i.e., what is a producer? What does it do? And it's a really... I've never quite found the perfect sort of sum up of what a producer does. But ultimately, within Celador specifically, um, which is probably the easiest way to describe it from from my perspective, is we uh, are the sort of lead representative from Celador to look after every aspect of any production from conception through to delivery and beyond. So what that means is ultimately from a budgetary and financial capacity, we are... Um, in charge of running those and ensuring they're being adhered to and everything from us flows down into what I would call the real experts now that's from my perspective not that is because he's an expert um, but you know ultimately a producer is responsible for gathering the most talented people they can in every aspect who can be the best at what they do mm-hmm. and then we can sit there and let them do it <laughs> the way I explain it to people that are not in the theatre industry from my perspective is a project manager yeah. Um, we uh, are given we're designated different shows so we kind of have it split into teams here at Celador uh, so I've been running Fame, Flashdance, Avenue Q uh, and looking forward to some kind of future productions as well. Nathan's got the rest of our productions, so Madagascar, uh, American Idiot, Little Miss Sunshine, Mm -hmm. What I Missed, any of them? (laughs) No? (laughs) If you have, I've missed them. (laughs) Either way, we've kind of split into council. So, you know, we are responsible for those productions in terms of uh, their creation, um, but also in terms of how they run day to day uh, and we're responsible for those personnel on the road as well. 
Um, so yeah, it's a bit, bit of a wide-reaching so definition. So what don't you do really is the question. <laughs> the kind of the nitty-gritty day-to-day stuff, we employ other people to do that and supervise them. So I guess it's a rather it's a supervisory role. Absolutely, generally. and a decision-making role more than anything. Yeah. So every so for example, from a marketing perspective, we have weekly marketing meetings with all of our marketing teams who are working on our shows, and uh, opportunities options um, will be presented to us. And as producers, mm-hmm. it's our job to sign off and agree to what we think works. Now, hopefully, it's never a sort of um, dictatorial version of you must do that it's you know as I said I believe the best producers are producers who get the best people involved so therefore if a marketing team is suggesting something really strongly it's very rare from my perspective that I would probably go against them unless I had a very specific reason to Um, so yeah we're decision makers and project managers I guess is a good way I might make that yeah it's it's been useful when talking to you know parents that are in like the finance industry or something (laughs) it seems quite a clear way of presenting it so what's the kind of timeline for a show to be an idea essentially to opening its first performance so like for example <laughs> we, so Madagascar has just been at York um, I'm, was it DreamWorks that approached you or is it how does it work so um, as far as I'm aware and I wasn't involved in the in the conception element of Madagascar because I wasn't at Senador when that when that happened um, but as far as I'm aware there was a version of Madagascar that existed um, which was a, a one act 50 minute production um, that had been being touted around by the rights holders mm-hmm. I think David our, our CEO absolutely thought it would be a fantastic project to bring to the UK and make something bigger of so he then secured the rights for that and got permission to um, adjust and uh, grow the show in, into a fully fledged production which I know you guys saw Um, so into you know a two act fully formed um, musical so in terms of timeline I mean it is kind of it's a complete sliding scale depending on the show because certain projects might come up as an idea that we act and move very quickly on and can go from conception of that idea to delivery in as short as nine months but in an ideal world you would want to be trailing an idea and looking at it for a lot longer than that. From, in my opinion, I think from first first delivery of an idea to a team, which is what we're currently doing in terms of looking at our future projects. Mm-hmm. I think realistically, a good amount of time is eighteen months to two years mm-hmm. before you actually then see that that um, show on stage. But again, that's that's an ideal world, and we work in theatre, and nothing's <laughs> ideal. The process here is always quite similar in that David, our CEO, has those conversations with, you know, he's constantly in meetings about new projects, constantly overseas talking to, you know, all sorts of random people, whether they're creatives that have got an idea or whether they're uh, writers that have got an ongoing project that might be interesting to us or something like Madagascar, which obviously has been a very established film first and and it's a much wider conversation with a bigger company. Um, But he has all those conversations and gets, gets those kind of things generating and moving and then essentially comes to us and goes is this feasible within this remit how much will it cost us Um, and we then assess whether something is a a project that's worth going with or not Um, because even the best ones sometimes are just not uh, financially worthwhile when you're talking about particularly about UK touring um, and sustaining a, a tour on the road for a long period of time so yeah it's usually the the kind of process is the same 
um, but it can be accelerated <laughs> depending on how yeah all sorts of time pressures come into play when you're talking about a project that you've got to up. Mm-hmm. as a producer could you come and say oh I think we should do a like can you come mm. with an idea yeah I think there's a kind of a wider kind of process here that we all are uh, engaged in theatre we have lots of different contacts and we will have our own little kind of theatrical bubbles Mm -hmm. and certainly if uh, we're we're all encouraged to see as much as possible and to speak and network and talk to people as much as possible so obviously that involves occasionally meeting someone that's got I've got this amazing idea and you know we have a creation department here which is amazing Mm -hmm. so often it's kind of up to them to filter those things and go actually that is really like off track here. This is not going to work at all. Or, and so you know, we kind of work organically in that way. But yes, yeah, certainly, certainly, there's a yeah the ability to do that. Absolutely, I think it, outside of Senador, generically, that's what a producer would do. Mm-hmm. Full stop. Mm-hmm. And and David and Phil, who are our two um, exec CFO and CEO here. Um, originally were the, the producers behind Celador, mm. but because of the company has grown in the way that it has and they're now sitting in those exec positions it's kind of a, a thing that they've always done mm. now me being new into the company absolutely what I've always done as a producer has been on the hunt for new projects and David particularly is, is massively encouraging of, of us as producers coming to the table mm. with ideas titles um, you know, it's about us doing a bit of due diligence ourselves and checking if rights are available. There's no point in me going, mm. David. I really think we should do Lion King. Because <laughs> 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 he'll go, I'm sure you do. <laughs> so you know, it, yes, absolutely. That is generically what a producer does within Senador. It's something that's becoming more just yeah. because of historically. There's has such been. sliding definitions mm. in the word producer because that often can mean uh, just a financial stakeholder within any given project. Mm-hmm. You know, if you give enough money, you earn that title. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then also, you know, freelance producers are constantly on the hunt for new projects and kind of almost like a one-man shop in that sense. Whereas when you've got wider organisations like this, there's lots of different sliding mm-hmm. scales yeah. of what that means. On the train on the way here, Henry and I were, we were sort of, trying to guess how many shows you would see a week. And I aimed at three. How many shows would you say you'd see a Us week? Us personally? Yeah. Or the company? Oh, or both. <laughs> uh, completely varies, actually. Yeah. Sometimes I will go into... It. Press nights are often a big thing in, yeah. in London, so we get invited to quite a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the la- we've kind of been averaging like one a week for the last... like mm-hmm. Of our productions, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. 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 But then often, I mean... Our casting director, for example, probably sees about three or four shows a week. Minimum, yeah, yeah. I would say. Um, um, she's always on the hunt for that yeah. fresh talent, particularly things just out of drama school. I think for us, if I'm, if, well, for me, um, I don't see as much as I would like, mm-hmm. which would probably surprise mm-hmm. people, but that's mainly because um, between myself and my general manager, Tom, um, we do a show visit um, every other week or try to, two hour shows that are out. So for example, if you do the maths and we've got our shows, three shows out on the road and we're trying to do a show visit every other week, yeah. that means that at least one of us is constantly away overnight, yeah. once a week. So then by the time you come back and you carry on with your workload, to then guarantee to see something else that week is going to be a little bit tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it's about, I love seeing theatre full stop, yeah. but as I think as you move through theatre and you get different roles, there's almost now needs to be a reason to go and see something, be that a creative that we're particularly interested mm-hmm. in or that's invited us, or an actor or a particular title, um, which 
may make it sound really boring and I do still you know I did choose to go and see Come From Away the other week and absolutely loved it because it was just a choice Um, it's incredible go see it genuinely it's amazing Um, and but in terms of just going out there as much it's more like the creation team and and Mm. our casting director who would do the majority of 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 the the constant just going to see Mm. all different sizes scales and things for us I feel we get invited to a lot which is really lovely yeah but it's tough to actually get ourselves away because of the volume of work we've got ongoing. It's yeah, I often try and see as much fringe stuff as I can because mm. obviously we go and see, you know, the, the, you tick off the West End shows just so you're yeah. like in the know about what's going on in the industry and actually there's so much more going kind of on on the off West End stuff that excites me because mm. it's small with no budget and you just it's amazing that creation process of when you've got nothing, what you can actually produce. Um, so I went to go see a really cool little play in, on Sunday at the Etc. Theatre in Camden. And it was just really lovely to be back to that kind of scale mm. of work. Just one man, some Ikea furniture. <laughs> and it was amazing. The writing was amazing. And it really helped focus that kind of attention on the writing. And so, you know, I'm now talking to him about how I can help him go to the end of the fringe next year. Yeah, but that's me as an individual. Yeah. Uh, but it's just really, you know, that, that interest is still there, definitely. And that love of theatre is still there. Just is, yeah intense on a week-by-week basis here, yeah. particularly if you're going off to, like, random parts of the country. Mm. So, apart from describing your job, what are some of the biggest challenges you kind of face uh, when bringing a show to life? Hmm. <laughs> I've got to think now. What, and what, what, that what, so <laughs> yeah. like... What's politically correct to say? Um, <laughs> no, no, because genuinely, sometimes some of the biggest challenges can be venues. Venues can yeah. be really tough because mm-hmm. every venue, as I'm sure you can imagine, is completely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I mean by tough, I don't mean it's their fault. I just mean it has a completely different demand or requirement, which therefore when you're producing UK touring theatre and specifically the way we work at Salador at the moment in terms of being able to upscale and, and downscale physically mm-hmm. our shows in order to play venues as large as Liverpool Empire and Blackpool Winter Gardens and Southampton Mayflower all the way through to the other end of the spectrum and play Ipswich New Wolsey and um, Exeter Northcott and everything in between. So therefore there is a huge variance within all of those venues, both in terms of their technical ability, their audience reach, their um, development and marketing strategies within there. So I think what's hugely challenging for us specifically that might not be true of an ATG with the number one tour that just goes to the massive venues is trying to work out the logistics and deal with so many variables within venues and that goes from the origin stages as well you're asking mm. designers to create a show that can upscale and downscale but that has always really been a, a passion of cellar doors and mm. it's been something yeah. that we've really advocated since you know the very origins of our UK touring mm. is that we would feel really strongly that no matter where you live in the country you should have access to theatre mm. and you shouldn't have to constantly come down to the west end or go mm. to your nearest big city to do that and so, yeah, it's, it's for us on a day-to-day basis, obviously that's a challenge. Um, but for the wider company, it's always been something that we've like really kind of like striving for. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but we have to deal with the practical practicalities <laughs> yeah. of, oh, that, I mean, there is no hanging in this venue. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we need to bring in all of this extra equipment and, you know, so, and every week you kind of get to cater to whatever, whatever, wherever you are. Absolutely. And challenges aren't negative. Mm. that's the key thing to remember I think a lot of people when they hear the word challenge automatically think that that means a negative thing it's not because sometimes that's massively exciting and when you know you've taken that big show to that smaller venue in that smaller town where do you know what the audience in that town may never have seen something like that before 
the reward at that end of the spectrum is incredible. Yeah. There's certain shows that are particularly amazing for that, like Avenue Q. The reason that we've taken Avenue Q out time and time and again is because its new audience mm. reach is always mm. unbelievable, like crazy percentages. Of, like First time attendees and stuff, yeah. Yeah, people that have never been mm. to the theatre before for some reason engage with that show. And I mean, that is primarily because I guess it's kind of a, it appeals to people under 25 yeah. so immediately you've got that it's because it's rude <laughs> it's because it's naughty and because it's got a cool puppet in there it's really it's great it's because it swears <laughs> we were also we were, when we were watching um, Madagascar we were thinking how many of these kids have never been to the theatre yeah. yeah like outside of pantomime for yeah. example yeah. absolutely hundreds of kids and we, they loved like every minute of it almost as um, much as us yeah and also it, there's something different about making a kids film into a musical mm. I don't know how many times that obviously Lion King and I guess the Disney one, maybe something too. that's not Disney. Um, that that's not that's not happening very often, does it? No. no, it's a tough it's a tough transition. But I think it's worth noting that with Maddie and I lead the two teams under Celador Productions, but we also have Celador Family, which is headed by another producer, Alex Barker, and the work that they do for the target audience that they're aiming for. Mm-hmm. Is incredible. Yeah. We've got Elman and Patrick Elephant out on the road at the moment, which and is I just. I love that. It's mm-hmm. kids, which is, like generations of children yeah. love that. And bit. it's just wonderful. And guess how much I love you. And yeah. um, you know, Alex also did um, Aladdin and Catford for the pantomime this year. But the the focus on that style of work, type of work, mm-hmm. um, within the company is really, really important mm-hmm. because we are developing the future audiences mm-hmm. for all of our shows and all of theatre and therefore to get in Alma specifically I saw it in Richmond and seeing those pretty much babes in arms being transfixed by this beautiful mm-hmm. show that's yeah. on stage is just something that you I don't know where else you'd get that feeling and reward and hopefully you're just building it for the future mm-hmm. and that's exciting I love it. Yeah. I love seeing mm-hmm. Alex's shows I think they're incredible I do too that's yeah. because I'm a child yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> <laughs> probably already answered this but uh, what are the best bits of your job working with Maddie <laughs> <laughs> just that girl <laughs> strange thing is we don't actually work together that much no because we've got these two teams so mm. we don't really overlap too much we just no. sit next to each other and listen to whatever's going <laughs> and yeah and, uh, and give each other advice I think don't we in yeah. terms of you know we've all walked our own yeah. life and journey through this so um, that's important to know uh, best bits oh for me, there's two, kind of two things. Yeah. Um, I have been working with Salador since 2011 because of my freelancing mm-hmm. stuff with them as well. So that's a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and particularly with a company that's grown this like dramatically, the change I have seen <laughs> has been quite dramatic. So I, like, I really love working in this office and with the people that are in this office and watching this company evolve and the people that it attracts because it's constantly evolving is really exciting. Um, you know, not every day is a joy, but like most days are genuine. genuine like I, I really, really love this company and the organisation and watching that grow is really exciting. Um, for me, the kind of, I mean, the best and worst bit, depending on the day, is the multitasking that my job yeah. involves and the working with hundreds of freelancers on a day-to-day basis. If you're managing hundreds of people, obviously that comes with the odd hiccup. Yeah. Um, but just... Not no day is the same. No day am I doing the same task over and over again. Mm. Every day presents itself with its, <laughs> with different challenges and different joys, and that's really exciting for me. It's you know I love mm. theatre. I've loved theatre since I was a kid. The fact that I get a day to day of complete like mixed bag theatrical stuff is really fun. <laughs> yeah, I agree with all of that. I think also for me, a major part of the best bits are exactly how 
we started off this conversation with you guys telling me you saw Madagascar and saying you absolutely loved it. Yeah. For me, whoever anybody is that says that they've been to see any one of our shows, and I can get massively excited and proud about Avenue Q and Fame mm, and the ones yeah. that aren't that I've had directly nothing to do with, yeah. but indirectly in terms of because genuinely the way this company is moving and I assume has always been is such a love and care within the office structure and yeah. everybody supporting everybody through everything. So whenever anybody talks about a Salador show mm-hmm. and says that they've had a good time or heard a good thing or whatever, to me that's hugely exciting because mm-hmm. we're not heart surgeons. We don't mm-hmm. save lives, but do you know what? If we can help a little bit in terms of just giving people enrichment in any way, that's awesome. Whatever that is, even if it's a rubbish show, but someone loves it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> if it's not artistically great, doesn't matter. If someone's Can it had a good be time. rubbish if you love it? Exactly. No, genuinely. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree with that. I, I have very strong opinions on people who have strong opinions. About <laughs> what, would you, what, what does that stand for? What does that mean? Sometimes it doesn't have to stand for or mean anything. If it's somebody's having a good time watching it and it's allowed them for yeah. two hours of their life to just enjoy something, great. Yeah. Let's enjoy that. So Celador doesn't just have offices in London, it's also got offices in New York and Thailand, Thailand as well, that's the <laughs> I can't remember. Um, do you have much to do with them or are they kind of their own separate thing? So they are their own separate thing to a certain extent, but they are very much a kind of like the Celador family and mm. brand. And um, there's quite personal uh, reasons that we have those two offices. So uh, there's a lovely guy called Carl who uh, started Celador in the UK with David and Philip. He was American. And was a student in the UK yeah. and so got sent off back <laughs> to his own homeland. And so for a long time, Carl was flying a little Celador flag yeah. from the yeah. US, but actually that didn't have the infrastructure. And so he's worked a really, really like long time and building that that brand over there as well. So that kind of is an immediate connection to, to the very start of the company and has always been bubbling over there. And it's really nice in the last kind of couple of years that it's kind of taken hold. They did their first production, which was the uh, Very Hungry, Hungry Caterpillar, which was another favourite of mine as a kid. Um, and now they're kind of looking at uh, touring, but it's also opened up loads of conversations in terms of development with uh, American contacts. Mm-hmm. So David goes over to you know New York, Miami, oh, goodness knows, Chicago, where, wherever else to have chats with quite a lot of exciting American contacts now. And that's because we've had that base over there, mm. which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, Thailand is a bit... So we do a lot of work in Asia. And mm. so we, I think we've always been... Time zones aren't helpful. <laughs> <laughs> we did two shows in China last year with co-producers in New York. Uh, and the, the shows were in China. So obviously if we were sat here in the UK, it was kind of a bit of a 24-hour clock mm. thing going on. So it's, it's helpful to have that base in Asia. Um, PV, who runs that office and started that office, uh, was a stu- once again a student in the UK. Fairly recently, very ambitious uh, Thai guy that really just wanted musical, commercial musical theatre to be bigger in his home country. So he came here, did a producing course, was mentored by David, uh, and so that kind of built into an actual thing and into an actual business plan, an actual set of offices. Um, and they did their first production uh, last year of Little Shop of Horrors wow. in Thai. Mm. Which is oh, amazing. Local yeah, language which is in no never, and it's just just incredible. And honestly, one of the biggest joys of last year was watching their trailer, because it was looked fabulous. I wish I'd seen it. Philip and David went over to see the press night, but by all accounts, it was an amazing press production for them. Mm. And so, not it's useful for us because we have a base in Asia yeah. now. 
um, and a desk in Asia that we could go sit in if we, you know, those <laughs> and things. And a beach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thailand, what a shame. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that it's useful to have that, but also they are very much a kind of an entity in their own right and putting on their own shows. And yeah, it's just nice to see us grow worldwide. <laughs> so at the end of every podcast, we've been asking um, the people we've been interviewing sort of little advice that you could give to someone that's looking to enter the industry. So. In a producer capacity. Don't do it. <laughs> Joking. Um, Don't take my job. Yeah, yeah. Don't be too good. Um, I think for anyone wanting to be a producer specifically, I, I think um, no task is too small. Like, it's been very helpful for me to have had a background in dance. Uh, I've done an English degree. I... Uh, Directed, I've stage managed, stage managing on the fringe often means you do lighting, sound, costume. I did laundry for the boys of Clockwork Orange on tour. That was gross. Um, but it means that when I'm having conversations and supervising people that are creatives, technicians, performers, it doesn't matter. I can speak to them in their own language. Um, and those things are very niche and very specific. And having an understanding and an experience of what everyone's going through, particularly in like a technical week when you've got quite an intense process, is really, really useful. It's actually been invaluable to me. And so I think if you're, you know, coming up through the, through the fringe or, you know, even if you're a student, I think the best producers are the producers that have a greater understanding of how you put a show on, not someone that's very niche and focused on like one, one thing. So that would be my advice, I guess, is just that... Uh, try everything um, and don't be afraid to like have fingers in lots of parts <laughs> yeah I'd echo all of that for sure um, generic advice about entering this industry is genuinely do it but be prepared for what it is mm-hmm. it's the most rewarding industry I know of yet it is only rewarding if you're prepared to put in the hours no, no one gets paid enough in theatre no one's getting rich quick in theatre. You need to be prepared to go in, work hard. My goodness, you'll have a great time along the way. Yeah. But be prepared for it yeah. and take every single bit and enjoy it and love it. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on yeah, the podcast. Thank you so much. Okay. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Nathan and Maddie for sparing some time in your busy schedules. It was super interesting talking to you and we look forward to seeing more of Celador's work in the future. To find out more about current Celador productions, head to Celador.com. Now, Henry and I will be back in a few weeks' time with some more stories, advice and insights from people in the industry who know their stuff. And if you enjoyed the podcast, then as always, please give us a nice review and tell your friends and family where to find us. And if it's your first time listening, then we've got a few other episodes that we've already recorded in a folder (laughs) on iTunes or any other podcast platform to you to go back and listen to. (laughs) See you soon. See you soon. soon. (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs)